Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We stand before this magnificent table. We come before this incredible offering that God made for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, commit to him, live like him, follow him, be drawn to him, be his ambassadors in the world, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. A very important preacher from the 20th century, Fred Craddock, once said that it's almost impossible to pronounce the word love through clenched teeth. But sometimes we try. And sometimes we find that there are people who represent Jesus, who go out to tell the world about how angry God is and how disapproving God is and how, how upset that God is with everything, that God is a God of vengeance and justice and wrath. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think sometimes we project our own anger onto others. And at this magnificent table, even those who are still misguided or misunderstanding about the grace of God, even a preacher like me is welcome to come and eat at this table where the grace of God is made available. How many times in my life have I sat to counsel with somebody who said, I took communion, I went to church, I sat through the service and I took communion and I didn't feel a thing. And my only response is stop being a slave to your feelings. Believe in God, not your feelings. Don't be led about by your emotions. They'll take you down a cul-de-sac out of which you'll never recover. Let your faith rise above your feelings and know this for certainty, that at this magnificent table, Jesus has promised to always be present, always with his church. How many times in your life and mine has God moved powerfully before my mind or yours was aware of it, before our hearts were warmed by it, God had already been moving. And after God touched my life with understanding, I looked back and saw all the places in my life that God had been working before I even knew about it. And at this magnificent table, we come to have our souls and our hearts fed by God. And everyone who will come is welcome. Everyone, even people who disagree with each other, even people who are sworn enemies to one another are welcome at this table. 
They came to Jesus and they tried to trap him. That's how this passage. Now we, in our culture, where divorce is so rampant and so present, we get hung up on the rules about divorce and we try to turn Jesus himself into a Pharisee, just like the ones who came to trap him. He said, if your question is about divorce, what do you read in the law? And they said, we read that Moses permitted us to grant a certificate of divorce. And Jesus said, you are right. That's what Moses did. And now let me tell you why. It was because of the hardness of your heart. Divorce is a hard thing. Ask any eight-year-old whose grades suddenly plummet because mom and dad are separated. And they'll tell you, divorce is a hard thing. But believe it or not, it was a step up from taking your wife out to the town center and stoning her to death. Or worse yet, merging your households and then cutting her off with nothing. So that all she could do is beg or take up a life of living like a streetwalker, leaving her with nothing. So Moses permitted a way so that the people of God could continue to try to express love to people who've been through impossibly hard circumstances. And it was because of the hardness of our hearts that he did this. And at this magnificent table, even hardness of heart is welcome. For where can the hardness of our heart become better except at the table where God's grace is offered so freely? Do you know that the foundation of the whole kingdom of God, the paving stones upon which we stand so solid, on Christ the solid rock I stand, the foundation of the kingdom of God is forgiveness. And this is the table in which that forgiveness is set before the world. Sometimes I think we just say, oh yeah, forgiveness, great, God forgave my sins, and we walk right on by as if it were nothing. To understand what is really involved, we sometimes have to step outside of our own culture. In the 1990s, a latter-day genocide took place in a country that we now call Rwanda. People who identified themselves among the Rwandan culture as Hutus, backed by government forces and the army, set out to annihilate people who called themselves Tutsis. Imagine a, a community the size of the city of Orange and every man, woman, and child in it being killed 10 times over. That's how many Tutsis were murdered during the Rwandan genocide, nearly a million. And then they tried to put the country together afterwards. And they didn't know how. And as time went on, they began to look at their own hardness of heart in a different way. Working alongside an organization that called itself Association Modeste et Innocence, they began to practice a kind of restorative justice. 
not a retributive justice. That is to say, they didn't seek retribution for the wrongs, they sought to restore the wrongs. In this photograph, there is a Hutu and a Tutsi. Can you tell the difference? He was a perpetrator. She was a victim. More than this, the crimes he perpetrated were against her actual household. In 2014, the New York Times Magazine sent a photojournalist to take this photograph and the photographs of several others and to hear their testimony because they had worked it out with the government that people who had been imprisoned for the crimes they committed during the war could be offered a chance to be released if they would go to the person, the individual that they had harmed and beg for pardon and forgiveness from them. And that person go through the measured practice of giving their forgiveness and pardon. In addition to these two, I'd like you to experience with me the voices of five perpetrators and five victims who've talked about how this practice has unfolded in their lives. Just listen now. I burned her house. I attacked her in order to kill her and her children. But God protected them, and they escaped. When I was released from jail, if I saw her, I would run and hide. Then AMI started to provide us with trainings. I decided to ask her for forgiveness and to have good relationships with the person to whom you did evil deeds. We thank you, God. I used to hate him. When he came to my house and knelt down before me and asked forgiveness, I was moved by his sincerity. Now, if I cry for help, he comes to rescue me. When I face any issue, I call him. When I was in jail, President Kagame stated that the prisoners who would plead guilty and ask pardon would be released. I was among the first ones to do this. Once I was outside, it was also necessary to ask pardon to the victim. Mother Mukabautera Cesaria could not have known I was involved in the killings of her children, but I told her what happened. When she granted me pardon, all the things in my heart that had made me, her look at me in a wicked man faded away. Many among us had experienced the evils of war many times, and I was asking myself what I was created for. The internal voice used to tell me, it is not fair to avenge your beloved one. It took time, but in the end we realized that we are all Rwandans. The genocide was due to bad governance that set neighbors, brothers, and sisters against one another. Now you accept and you forgive. The person you have forgiven becomes a good neighbor. One feels peaceful and thinks well of the future. Because of the genocide perpetrated in 1994, I participated in the killing of the son of this woman. We are now members of the same group of unity and reconciliation. We share in everything. If she needs some water to drink, I fetch some for her. There is no suspicion between us. 
whether under sunlight or during the night, I used to have nightmares recalling the sad events I have been through. But now I can sleep peacefully. And when we are together, we are like brother and sister, no suspicion between us. He killed my child. Then he came to ask me pardon. I immediately granted it to him because he did not do it by himself. He was haunted by the devil. I was pleased by the way he testified to the crime instead of keeping it in hiding because it hurts if someone keeps hiding a crime he committed against you. Before, when I had not yet granted him pardon, he could not come close to me. I treated him like my enemy, but now I would rather treat him like my own child. The day I thought of asking pardon, I felt unburdened and relieved. I had lost my humanity because of the crime I committed, but now I am like any human being. After I was chased from my village and Dominique and others had looted it, I became homeless and insane. Later, when he asked my pardon, I said, I have nothing to feed my children. Are you going to help raise my children? Are you going to build a house for them? The next week, Dominique came with some survivors and former prisoners who had perpetrated genocide. There were more than 50 of them, and they built my family a house. Ever since then, I have started to feel better. I was like a dry stick. Now I feel peaceful in my heart, and I share this peace with my neighbors. I participated in destroying her house because we took the owner for dead. The houses that remained without owners, we thought it was better to destroy them in order to get firewood. Her forgiveness proved to me that she is a person with a pure heart. If I am not stubborn, life moves forward. When someone comes close to you without hatred, Although horrible things have happened, you welcome him and grant what he is looking for from you. Forgiveness equals mercy. Forgiveness. Reconciliation. Hearts at peace. Through the most dire circumstances, we can imagine these brothers and sisters of ours have found the way home, found the way to this magnificent table whose only requirement to sit and eat is that we accept the forgiveness that God has given us in its full measure. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven and you continue to be forgiven throughout your life. And so, in response, you are free to forgive and to ask the forgiveness of others that you have harmed. This is the, this is the only requirement, that we acknowledge who Jesus is and who we are 
and we accept it so that we can become a people of love. At this table, at this table is the place where we sit with our enemies. And I say that very carefully because it is not required that you make up with your enemy first. Jesus welcomes our enemies as he welcomes us. This is the only table on earth where enemies sit down side by side and in the breaking of bread and the taking of cup, grace is poured in them. Enough grace to get them through another day and get to get their hearts closer to one another. Just a step. And so we come together to receive and to bless. This is the forgiveness of God. This is our forgiveness for others. This is that magnificent table where hatred becomes love, where stain of sin becomes grace, where we become the kingdom of God. Amen.